So original sin is not the way, the way that we all believe it today, which, it, which okay, Mike, I will crudely boil it down. And some <laughs> theologian who's listening to your show is going to be like, what? That's not what it means. But this is what it does in us, for many of us, is that we basically end up at this place where once upon a time, Adam or some other proto-human did something bad, offended God, who is infinitely righteous, and thus now infinitely offended so offended that he will now visit Adam's mistake on all of Adam's descendants forever. So you are basically cursed because of something you didn't do. And of course we marry that into uh, atonement. And so, and we have a violent, angry, retributive atonement thing. And so it's like, well, the only way that you can get free from the curse is for God's son to come and get in the way so that God can beat up his son instead of you and his son can handle it because he's also God. And so God can beat up God and that will save you from being tormented in hell for all eternity, something that the human mind cannot even conceive of because you didn't opt out of a system that you never opted into in the first place. And that is somehow called righteous. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed up fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot on go with the rainbow by the time Clancy. Uh, wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go ahead and run, I'm a check. Wish I had no other sand, most beat, I'm a chest. Wish for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own beach and we bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland. So much for high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown, love we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion, go ahead, call the ambulance. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project Podcast. My name is Glenn, I'm your host, and this is episode number 161. And uh, today we're sitting down with Jonathan Puddle. Uh, cool thing about Jonathan, he has his own podcast called The Podcast. Jonathan Puddle and The Podcast. Like, the name just works. It's awesome. Anyway, he wrote a book called uh, You Are Enough. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in this world, this church world, uh, spiritual world, religious world, whatever you want to call it where the, the message I received, whether it was like verbally received or received on this like subconscious level, was that I'm not enough. I've always got to do more. Uh, I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to go to church more. I've got to pray more. I've got to give more. I've got to work more. I can do all these things more, more, more. And the more I do... The more like attention maybe I'll get from God or the the harder I'll be able to press the buttons on the vending machine in the sky so that things turn out uh, well for me. Uh, Things go better for me. The more I do, the better life will go. It'll have its ups and downs, of course. But overall, if you do more of these things, if you pile up these things in your life and do more and more and more of them, uh, things will go well for you in the long run. And and Jonathan's book really kind of comes in the face of this message and says, no, 
You're enough just the way you are. God loves you for you. And I think that's such a radical message, especially uh, in the world that I was raised in, and I know many of you were raised in as as well. His book is set up as a like a devotional of sorts. It kind of redeems devotionals for me because uh, I gave up on daily devotions a long time ago. When I picked up this book and I saw that, I'm like, oh, what is this? Then I started reading it. I'm like, oh, it's not that kind of devotional. <laughs> it's much different. Uh, just instead of chapters, it's daily readings. Uh, at the end of every reading, there's a like an exercise, like a meditation exercise. It's really good. You got to just go to Amazon, pick up the book. Uh, you you won't be sorry. Uh, Patreon is in the show notes. Patreon and buy me a coffee. Uh, two places to go to support the show financially. So if this has encouraged you, uh, inspired you, pushed you forward in your faith, uh, would you please, please, please consider going over there? Uh, checking it out and uh, considering giving a little bit uh, to the show. Patreon is my favorite because there's different tiers uh, or different rewards for different tiers of giving. Uh, so there's like a, a weekly vlog that goes out. Sometimes it's bi-weekly because I am a, a father of a toddler. So sometimes I get to the video, sometimes I don't. But typically they're weekly. Once in a while I might miss one. Uh, but there's also like early releases of episodes uh, there's like a meet and greet with an author, all sorts of different things. So head over there, uh, check it out, patreon.com slash whatifproject, and uh, buymeacoffee.com slash whatifproject uh, is the other place. And there you kind of do a one-time donation. So if you wish, you know, you, you listen to an episode like this one with Jonathan, you're like, oh man, that was really good. I wish I could go out and talk to Glenn uh, about this, use him as a sounding board, talk to him about this question I've got, bounce this idea around. Uh, maybe one day we'll be able to do that, but you can go to buy me a coffee. You can uh, you can purchase uh, one coffee, two coffees, three coffees. It's like $5, $10, $15. It doesn't actually buy me a coffee. It just goes to my uh, PayPal account and I can do, do what I need to do with it. Uh, but anyway, buymeacoffee.com slash whatifproject and Patreon. Um, as well. The Heretic Shop is also in the show notes. You can go and buy a t-shirt, a hoodie. Uh, all the money to that gets donated. So in every description of the product, uh, it tells where the money for that product goes to get donated. So head over there, check that out. Uh, lots of good people, lots of good organizations. And like I said, all the money is given away. Our special music today is from my friend, Young Citizen. He and I work together um, at Apple. And uh, he's just a really good guy doing really good things here in the uh, North Carolina, Charlotte area. He's a hip-hop artist uh, doing great things for the community. He's a big encourager, a big cheerleader, and uh, a really creative individual. So head over to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places. Look up Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G. Download his music and share it with your friends. So all of that to say, my friends, uh, this is episode number 161. And it's my conversation with Jonathan Puddle. Let's roll the tape. Enjoy. Father, please help me. I need your guidance, Lord. Come on and get me, Lord. A real one coming to your throne. You gotta believe that I'm of your own. Conversation, revelation from the maker of man. 
falling to my knees praying to god bless me with my one and my needs know that he got my back and no choice but to proceed only thing that i ask is that you do set me free free falling to my knees praying to god bless me with my one and my needs know that he got my back and no choice but to proceed only thing that i ask is that you do hey everybody welcome back to the Look, podcast uh, today we're in for a real selfish. treat because no, we are sitting down with a brand new guest his name is jonathan puddle uh, he hosts a podcast of his own. He wrote a brand new book called You Are Enough. Uh, and so, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's an honor to talk with you. Thanks, Glenn. Really good. Really good to be here. Honored to be on the show. You've had some amazing people here before. So thank you. Well, you are the, you are the next one in line, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to pick your brain a little bit today, uh, obviously about your book. But maybe before we get into that, uh, you could share with our guests a little bit about your, yourself, you know, the highlights of your journey. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, the inside scoop of Jonathan Puddle. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you take a snapshot of of where I am, what I do, who I am today, I'm a father of three. My kids are in the middle kid years, mm-hmm. uh, eight up to 12. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I are also foster parents. We have uh, still waiting placement, but that's something that we're passionate about. Mm. We we somehow became children's and discipleship pastors at a, at a local church nearby that after spending 10 years outside of church. Um, so that was as much a surprise to wow. us. As that's, that's volunteer work. Yeah. My, my day to day is podcasting and writing. Uh, I've, as you said, I've got, my first book came out last year, you are enough learning to love yourself the way God loves you. Yeah. And that has been just kind of a wild ride. Cause yeah. I just kind of distilled a journey that I'd been through and mm. I really wasn't sure it would work for anyone. <laughs> and, and I self-published it and, and got it out there and it's been shockingly well received. Yeah. Uh, put it that way. It continues to, to puzzle me. <laughs> yeah. Sure. In a good way. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were evangelical missionaries. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we traveled all around the South Pacific and, and Asia and Europe as, as kids uh, ended up moving to Toronto to join the Toronto Blessing. And so I got a big charismatic part of my DNA. And then uh, my wife and I moved to Europe uh, after being married two years and like hit straight into the wilderness, straight into the <laughs> yeah. God. Just like already for a, a couple of years, I'd been yeah. like, like some of this, some of this bullshit. Right. <laughs> you know, because I was working on staff at the, at a church and like, you know, busy, busy, all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> busy church machinery of uh, that was like becoming toxic. Yeah. And yeah. so we left, we started reading all these organic church and house church books, you know, pagan Christianity, all that stuff that was coming out sort of like mid 2000s. Yeah. And that was really life giving. Hmm. And, uh, and then somewhere along the line, I personally, just fell in love with Jesus and mm. in, in a way that transformed anything that I thought I'd had prior in my, yeah. in my relationship with God. And mm. so, so we stayed outside the church for, for again, still quite a while and uh, yeah, ended up back in church, ended up baptizing our kids, Roman Catholic, <laughs> what? Yeah, like, yeah, like total, I'm um, dude, I'm like a total crazy, it's like all over the map here, <laughs> all, all, over the map, all over the map. In fact, uh, I turned up at a webinar that my denomination had put on recently and it caused a stir. 
because I was mm. present <laughs> because, because everybody <laughs> kind of knows me as now and now he's the, that other guy out there doing those <laughs> other things right. like so what is it like to still kind of I'm like all right well if you want to talk about that so <laughs> so anyway I I have been so blessed uh from like every different stream of the faith every different kind of like direction of Christianity has enriched my life so I pastor, I also uh, help people leave church when that's what the spirit seems to be drawing them to do. Uh, I, I'm not a therapist, but I wrote a book that a lot of therapists seem to like. <laughs> right. um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a snapshot. And right that's, now I'm kind of on a bit of a summer vacation. There so you go. hooray. There you go. That's awesome. So when you say that, like you had this this point where you started to wonder like is this all just a bunch of bs like what was like one of the first what's one of the first things that kind of brought that to your mind like i'm curious i always ask people who are like in that deconstruction place like what was the thing that kind of kicked you down that hole of oh like maybe there's more to all of this than i've been taught or i've been thinking or i've been teaching other people i think it was uh, this is going to sound a lot like a much more deeper and formulated answer than I would sure. have had at the time. Sure. But I was working at this church five days a week mm -hmm. and then would turn up on Sunday and was, you know, and they were big into the cell group structure at that oh, yeah. time. And so yeah. it was like, you've got to be in a group and you're, you're encouraged to be leading a group. And I got to the point where I was like, if I was doing everything I'm quote unquote supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. I would be here seven days a week in this building. And like, I'm already paid garbage wage <laughs> and I'm like yeah. pouring everything out that I have, like my blood, sweat, and tears yeah. is going to, it's going to this organization. It's going to this church. It's going to God. Like, like the, the lines are blurred, right? When you yeah. work in any kind of ministry role, the lines are very blurred. There's no boundaries. <laughs> That's it. And then that yeah. in itself is a huge issue. Yeah. And so I think I got to the point where I was like, this is just sucking me dry. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually in a, in a church movement that that's whose focus is on the tangible presence and experienceable love of God. Yeah. And if that's true, there shouldn't be collateral damage. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of collateral damage. Yeah. So that doesn't mean this whole thing is a sham, mm -hmm. but it does mean uh maybe i need to go and figure some stuff out yeah and i remember I mean, obviously everybody who's been through those deconstruction journeys has similar <laughs> things but it's like i remember it took me like three years to not feel guilty like on a saturday night to not have that feeling of like oh no have i done my homework yes like, yes you know yeah. just sleep in and get two weekend days <laughs> yeah yeah we haven't been to church in a few years now and you know, I remember when I pastored, I used to pastor a church, I pastored it for a few years, then we did a church plant. And like, I love, there's a lot of things I loved about pastoring. Like I, I'm sure you can speak to that too. Like I loved hanging out with people. I loved walking with people through even the hardships of their lives. Like I, I did, I pastored an older church. We had a ton of funerals and I got to a point where like, I kind of enjoyed being able to minister to the family, kind of have this last word over people's lives. And I just, I love that kind of stuff. But then it was like all the politics of the church just kind of really just got in the way. And just like I said before, like the lack of boundaries, like they wanted, they put a, a phone that rang in the office of the church 
in my house because they wanted me to make sure that like I could get to the phone at all times. I'm like, well, can't someone just call my cell phone? Like if, if it's super important, like they have my cell phone number. No, we need a church line in your house. I'm like, there's no boundaries. <laughs> you know, like you said, like the, the pay isn't like great. And like, you're expected to be on call 24 hours a day. And like, I remember even at that point, like this was long before I started deconstructing, but that just raised a lot of questions and a lot of issues in my own heart. I think, I don't know what stream of the faith you grew up in, but I think those issues that get raised in our heart, I was not really told that's one of the ways the spirit speaks to you. Yeah. You were <laughs> told not to so trust now, that. I was. Yeah. <laughs> now it's definitely like, listen to that. Yeah. Listen to your body. Listen to your guts. If you feel icky, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. And that's huge. I, I was taught not to trust that voice inside because that voice, it could be a demon. You know, it could be the right. enemy. It could be right. darkness. And, you know, you, you can't always listen to what you want because it could be your own selfish desire. So you just got to kind of buckle up and do what you got to do and do it for the Lord and put a smile on your face. And I got to the point, like you said, I was just like, well, maybe that voice inside is telling me something that's true. Maybe that's a voice I need to listen to because if I'm leaving church all the time, feeling icky and feeling yes. like just something isn't right, then there must be something that's not right. So, that's it. And yeah. if you look at that, just like at a mile high view and you say, mm -hmm. okay, we've told people that all the voices in their lives in their own, like internal system are mm -hmm. either the devil or demons or their own wretchedness. Mm -hmm. And that's, and the expectation is like, okay, so like 80 to 90% of yeah. all the in inner promptings you're getting mm -hmm. are diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> and then we wonder why people hate themselves, why people don't experience more of like ac the actual fruit of the spirit in their lives. Yeah. And I mean, I, I bumped into this with my therapist where I said, I said, dude, I feel like I was told be like Jesus, be like Jesus, be like Jesus, be, but don't you ever expect that you might actually be like Jesus. <laughs> and so, so like we're, we're in a bind. Yeah. Uh, Always aim for it, but you're never going to get there. But you're never going to get there. <laughs> right. Obviously I think I, you know, we understand, I think, I think that there's like this evangel underneath the whole evangelical Protestant thing is like this, there's probably a bunch of core fears, but I feel like mm. one of them has got to be this idea that someone might think they are good enough on their own, yeah. that they don't need grace. Yep. And so everything is this reaction to this. So it's like, oh no, remember like you're evil, you're wretched or original sin, you're totally cursed, like yep. blah, 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 right? And yeah. so it's like, we must not allow people to explore outside of this box. Yeah. Because our power, our control, our money, all these things, and we'll dress it up in nice language. Like, well, we, we just really want what's best for you. And since we are wise and the spirit is, yeah, just admit you're scared, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny because I've been talking to, I've been reading a lot of like the, a lot about the Gnostic Christianity. And like, I've been looked like a lot of Barterman stuff and the Lane Pagels. And one of the things I find really interesting is that like, I'm no scholar in this stuff. I'm just kind of doing this as like a, as a hobby, but like, you know, a lot of the Gnostic texts really pushed people to look internally and listen to that internal voice. And a lot of the church fathers, you know, they're trying to build this institution. They're trying to build this system. And so they're like, we can't have that because if you're listening to the inside voice and you're listening to whatever the spirit they think is inside, then all of a sudden there's not this huge need for the church anymore and so it was kind of like let's demonize all of that 
Let's make sure that people are focused on the word that's in front of them. They're focused on going to church, listen to the priest, the bishop, whatever, because that's what's really going to, that's what's important. That's what keeps people coming back. So I think you make totally. a really, really solid point. So um, I loved your book and um, I could talk about all this other stuff all day. We'll, we'll get back. I have a question later. I want to ask you about original sin. Actually, you know what? While we're, actually, while we're on the topic, why don't we just go there now? Original yeah. sin, because that's a huge thing because- I get a lot of questions on the podcast, like people who reach out to me, they either ask me about hell or they ask me about original sin because everybody's <laughs> been brought up with original sin. And because of original sin, you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus, that kind of thing. And so I'm wondering about like, what, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? Like how, what did, what did that deconstruction of that particular doctrine look like for you? Because it's hard for me. Like I've been deconstructing for three, four years now, like publicly and, it's hard to read the Bible and not have that lens of original sin in front of me just because I'm so used to reading it like that. So I read verse, I like the creation story. It's like, that's all I was ever taught about the creation story is it's original sin. And, you know, you read about like Paul and about, you know, Adam, when he talks about Adam, he talks about, um, you know, people being created as, you know, objects of wrath or whatever, whatever, whatever verse that is. But like, what does it look like for you these days to think about the original sin and what did it look like for you to move from where you were where you are today? That's a, and it's a great question. I'll throw out a few different things to think about, and maybe mm. something will be helpful to somebody. Mm. First of all, I would say reading scripture is hard. Like, bear in mind, and, and I think most of us don't bear this in mind most of the time, mm. that you're reading a text uh, that's at minimum, like, practically 2,000 years old. Obviously, we're rounding there. Yeah. But we're talking about multiple ancient cultures completely different from our cultures today, mm -hmm. different worldviews, different ways of understanding the cosmos yeah. in different languages that we don't have a totally great grasp on. Now, I happen to love scripture. I, I love the Bible and I spend a lot of time in it, but that's after having to, having to spend a lot of time away from it as well, because it was not life-giving. It got to this point of toxicity where I'm like, this just feels like this is hammering home this idea that God basically can't stand me yeah. or most of the human race. Yeah. And until I know a better way to read this, mm -hmm. I can't read it right now. It's just re-traumatizing. Yeah. And so I give everybody permission. If it's not bearing good fruit in your life, put it aside yeah. and say, okay, God, creator, spirit, whatever, if you are real and if you are good, and if you desire me to move towards love and wholeness, mm. guide me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great prayer for all of us to pray yeah. uh, every day yeah. <laughs> when you get out of the bed. Yeah. So uh, I've gone through a lot of those times with scripture where I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Um, as I began to re-engage with scripture, getting a little bit of scholarly input has been really life-giving. Mm. Uh, there's lots of folks doing great work with the Bible and helping people who are not progressive, people who are not liberal people, <laughs> but, but are actually just doing excellent scholarly work that say, this is not what the scripture says, or this is not the way that people have read it. To, when you start to understand, okay, for like 2,000 years of Christian history, there's like 17 different ways that people have understood the creation narrative. Yeah. And if you were raised 
as I was, that it must be literal or else <laughs> you get to pick and choose with the entire Bible. Right. And I was talking to Mike Bird on my podcast. He's an Australian scholar and theologian. He said, no, that's just totally wrong, John. I'm like, <laughs> but I was taught this. Right. <laughs> so um, the fact that Christians, faithful people, whatever you want to call them, faithful people who, who are trying to follow Jesus, have believed different things about all of these different topics yeah. for millennia now, that also gives me permission to go, okay, I don't have to have it figured out. I may not like the current lens that I have, or it may not, it may do bad things in my body. Mm -hmm. I can trust the spirit to lead me over time. So that's all just preamble. Okay. Yeah. Original sin. Yeah. So original sin is not the way, the way that we all believe it today, which, it, which okay, Mike, I will crudely boil it down. And some <laughs> systematic theologian who's listening to your show is going to be like, what? That's not what it means. But this is what it does in us. Yeah. For many of us is that we basically end up at this place where once upon a time, Adam or some other proto-human did something bad, offended God, who is yeah. infinitely righteous and thus now infinitely offended so offended that he will now visit Adam's mistake on all of Adam's descendants forever. Yep. So you are basically cursed because of something you didn't do. And of course we marry that into uh, atonement. And so, and we have a violent, angry, retributive atonement thing. And so it's like, well, the only way that you can get free from the curse is for God's son to come and, get in the way so that God can beat up his son instead of you and his son can handle it because he's also God. And so God can beat up God you know, and, himself and kind of like whip himself like a flagellant. And then, um, and that will save you from being tormented in hell for all eternity, something that the human mind cannot even conceive of yeah. because you didn't opt out of a system that you never opted into in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is somehow called righteous. Yeah. My, so, skin, my skin's crawling right now. My skin oh, is crawling. Too, my whole body. Flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, if that's the gospel as you've been taught it, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's the gospel I was taught to, but it began to do bad things in my body. Hmm. And one day I felt like God said to me, what would your life be like if every good thing wasn't about to be taken away from you? What if you, if you didn't believe every good thing is about to, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. And he said, why don't we go on a journey where you would learn to love yourself? Just like I love you. Mm. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So I never did a deep, deep study on original sin. Mm. My what happened with me was it just ceased to make any sense. The more I understood about trauma, more I understood about my own self and how God loves me. And the more I experienced God's love and the more I came to rest in it and then began to reread scripture with just like this lens of God loves me. God, what if God actually loves me yeah. and isn't like allergic to me and that, <laughs> and that Jesus isn't like the antihistamine that God has to take in order to tolerate me. Yeah. What suddenly it all began to change. So original sin, as, as we have just discussed, it isn't in the Bible. You can build it from scripture verses like you can build anything from scripture verses. So Augustine, bless him, 
comes up with less this heart <laughs> and and it, i mean we have to understand that every different concept that we've come up with is is like a limited human mind trying mm -hmm. to make sense of like the deepest mysteries sure. life yeah. the gift of life pain yeah. suffering yeah. why do i hurt myself and others so consistently mm. like I don't blame him or anyone for trying to answer that question and coming to an answer that seems to make sense, but has had some really bad downstream consequences yeah. Yeah. Uh, that he surely couldn't foresee, that I couldn't, that whatever, here we are. So what do I do with original sin? I, I don't think, this comes back to the, what I was saying earlier about the evangelical fear thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to be cursed by God with yeah. some kind of behavioral crisis yeah. in order for us to still all need grace mm. because the, the concerned conservative will say, you called your book, you are enough, but you are not enough, Jonathan, like you need Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, my friend, no one is more keenly aware of how much I need Jesus than, than me. this guy. Okay. <laughs> than me. But what Jesus says to me is, I love you, and I've always loved you, and I don't just tolerate you. You are the apple of my eye. Mm. And, you know, and you know who else? My father is just like me. I came just to show you what he was always like, mm. or she, whatever. The gender terms don't matter. And, and so I think... What's far more interesting to think about is original vulnerability, mm. original frailty. Mm. Uh, Glenn, did you choose to be be born a human? No, that's no. not that's not my not my plan. <laughs> not plan. No, nope. mine neither. So you <laughs> and I did not choose to become human. Yeah. Did we choose to be so frail and vulnerable? No. Nope. Somewhere along the line, every human creature has to suddenly reckon with their own mortality. Hmm. And I think we do that at this age and stage of our life in a yeah. different way, obviously, than we do it as like a young child. But hmm. the first time you fall over, or cut yourself or get hurt, you know, it's like when we watch Superman get cut for the first time with a kryptonite blade and he's like, what? What? What is this? <laughs> like, that's devastating. And I yeah. think at a deeply psychological level to encounter the simple fact of our frailty yeah. to realize that we were born into a system that we didn't choose mm -hmm. with rules that we didn't pick for ourselves, that we happen to be subject to death. That, and, and, and out of that terror and horror and fear, all of which is entirely sensible and rational given our, our situation, we reach for some way to comfort ourselves. Yeah. We reach for some salve mm. for the horror and the fear of that. And invariably, we reach for things that we don't realize will actually be destructive to ourselves. We, we say, like Eve, poetically, that looks good. That might help deal with my existential pain mm. and fear. And I think, I, I know I'm talking in like big language, but I think that this happens at a very kind of like proto level 
early in, in the life of a human being. Like, like yeah. you look at a child, like you look at a baby, right? And they, they scream, like they're utterly egocentric. They scream and cry and everything revolves around them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the other thing that you could say about original sin is that even, even looking at original sin actually as a developmental stage, mm. like you and I know as adults that living an egocentric life is going to be destructive to you and to everybody else around you. That's not because the ego is so much a problem. The ego is an important part of you that keeps you alive, that God gave you in the first place. But to live in an egocentric manner where everything revolves around you is ultimately destructive to you. But as a one-year-old or a six-month-old, that's a really good and healthy and appropriate way for the human to relate to the world. Yeah. And hopefully all your caregivers at that age are treating you like you are the center of the world. Mm. But also that's something that you grow out of. So, you know, all that to say, I don't think we need the doctrine of original sin mm. to actually recognize there's enough here for us to continually choose destructive escape over and over and over again. Uh, the, my therapist calls it uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms. And I'm like, yeah. that's a really nice language. Yeah. And, uh, and so we pick all these things and we mm. don't know what, what we're doing and we screw, we screw things up over and over again. But God knew because God designed us this way with this capacity for destruction in mind. So God is not allergic to it. God mm. is not so infinitely offended because mm. God designed us with this freedom and gave us this agency in the first place. And so there's there's got to be, in my mind, there's got to be a degree of responsibility that God takes, Mm. that we think we're so free and responsible and it's all about our free will, that God says, but your free will, your agency is given to you by me in the first place. You didn't choose your life. I chose your life for you with all the capacity to do all the bad and good things that you do. So there's a certain measure of responsibility that stops with God, not with us, which is not to say that there are not still consequences for our actions. Of course there are. (laughs) So God comes in a human body, makes himself willingly subject to all the same realities that we are subject to Mm. and gets nailed to a cross and says, father, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> they have no bloody clue. Yeah. And so the good and right and just thing for us to do is to wipe the slate clean and restore them to their original glory. Yeah. Wow. That seems to me a better gospel. Than... That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like good news. That seems like good news. The other seems like really <laughs> bad news. No, that's so good. And I think I think it's so important to remember too that like, Throughout history, there's been other ways to think about that topic because most of us, yourself, myself, like growing up, we were taught one way. Like, this is what it means. This is original sin. And that's it. You know, no questions asked. And like, even the seminary, like I was told briefly about like other things, but mostly it was, this is, this is the reality. But, you know, when you look back through church history, there have been church fathers and things who have thought about this topic, like in very, very different totally. ways. And I think that's really important to know that like you're, if, if there's something in you going back to that voice that we're talking about earlier, that says, this is icky. Uh, you're not the only one in history who has ever thought that. And I think that's, that's important to remember.
Like the more that I, like I've been really blessed by the, by much teaching from the church fathers, mm -hmm. which is not to say that they're right on everything. Sure. Uh, far from it. But um, the more that I've gotten into Eastern Orthodox teaching, mm -hmm. like that's been very life-giving for me. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I know you've had Danielle Schroyer uh, on the show and she's yeah. done great work in that area of original blessing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember the first time that, that I was reading stuff from, from Irenaeus and Origen and these guys, and they're like, oh yeah, like creation is great. Like, of course, creation is good. Right. <laughs> how, how could creation be the problem? How could your actual flesh? And like, that's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about your atoms. Right. Like, <laughs> atoms are amazing, right. you know, but, but I thought it was all wretched. So yeah. Yeah. it starts to fall apart. If you do, if you, if you are willing to take God's promise of love and words of love for you at face, at face value, and then like internalize them and own them, yeah. which is, which was the spirit's challenge explicitly to me. You need to learn to love yourself. Uh, and then I start reading back through scripture and I see, oh, this is actually everywhere. Yeah. Like I never knew it was in scripture. I didn't have a good like hermeneutic for this or a good like excuse. But, but then my, it started to, I started to see it everywhere. Right. Yeah. Once you see it one place, you start to see it everywhere. That's it. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that it helps. Like you said, you, you took time away from the Bible and I did that too. Like I, I put my Bible away for a while just because I couldn't read it apart from the way I've always read it. And I just yeah. felt like I had so much baggage attached to it. I just put it away and I picked it back up and I, I just read the gospels. And I did that because um, John Dominic Cross, and I was reading one of his books and he talked about how, you know, we're called to be Christians, not Biblians. And so in other words, right. you know, we need to look at who Christ is, who Jesus is. And there's something in the Bible that doesn't line up with what we see in him chances are it's probably not something we need to adopt into our lives and so i did a really like just just read the gospels over and over and over again and then when i started to see what i started to see in jesus started to pop up in other places in the bible and i yeah. felt much more comfortable looking at other pieces of the bible that didn't line up with jesus and saying man i'm not really too sure about this yes and i think that permission is really helpful is really key right to be like ah, i'm not sure about this and i and i'm i'm now convinced as much as any of us can be convinced about the great mysteries <laughs> that, <laughs> that that is what God's invitation has always been. Yeah. No, far be it for even when, like when Moses like far be it from you, God to do this. What does God do? He says, all right, you, you, you got it. Like you called yeah. me, you, you called me on that. That's right. I, I think that is one of the really healthy ways that we can read the, the, the Hebrew scriptures, the old Testament yeah. you know, is to say, okay, what is this progressively clarifying revelation of God look like? If, yeah. if Christ on the cross is the ultimate revelation of God, you, you start to look back and you can actually see the picture improving, right? Mm. Like you can start to see like, uh, yeah, Adam was born for wrath and and like, and, and I'm going to visit the sins, <laughs> right. you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh man, God sounds horrific. Yeah, right. Or, or this was a very violent, bloody time of human existence yeah. and their ideas of God were horrific. Yeah. And so we can watch them improve, right? We can see even like, uh, we can see, Abraham believes God uh, asks him to sacrifice Isaac. Maybe yeah. God does. Maybe God doesn't. Certainly Abraham thinks that's what he's supposed to do. Mm. So he goes off, you know, God saves Isaac. It's not long later. Uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy where, where God's basically like, so when you go into the land that I've prepared for you, do not sacrifice your children mm. like those people do. And then you move further into, uh, I've preached on this, so I, I don't, but I don't remember the verse. It's it's later, I think, in, in one of the prophets where, where basically he says, in those people sacrifice their, 
their children to, to gods. I never commanded them to do that. In fact, such a thing never entered my mind, yeah. never even occurred to me. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, so we're actually, we're the ones actually getting an, a, an increasingly better, richer understanding of what God has been like all yeah. along. Yeah. And so, you know, people will say to me, oh, well, then you're just like throwing parts of the Bible out. I'm like, no, now the Bible looks like my life. Right. Much more, it's much more relevant to me now. <laughs> now I can look back at like 10-year-old Jonathan and be like, oh, this, I can see you in Deuteronomy. I can see 15-year-old, yeah. very black and white Jonathan who needed clear rules like Leviticus. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was real. <laughs> yeah yeah because i mean a lot of times i've heard people say well you know it's like it's almost like god has changed throughout the times of the bible but to your point it's not god who's changed it's our understanding of god that has changed and i think that's such a beautiful a beautiful way to think about it much and much much more beautiful than just this is this black and white document that's inerrant and perfect and everything it says is exactly the way it happened yeah. I mean, that makes scripture to me come alive in a way that is like really organic and makes so much more sense. And, yeah. and it's like, uh, and if we, we have these scriptures, right, that's like, God doesn't change. God is the same forever. Well, what are you going to do with things like that? <laughs> Either God has been like this and we were wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot in there, obviously, but yeah, uh, that's so good. So you talk about, you talk about how we have to love ourselves as god loves us and that's obviously the main thrust of your book but i'm wondering like in practical ways like what is the person who's listening and they're thinking like they're struggling with this whole topic and they're wondering like what does it look like for me to love myself number one but love myself as god loves me like in practical everyday life for jonathan puddle like what does that look like for you so let's let's just look for a mile high at a, for a minute. Mm -hmm. God knows your entire circumstances, right? Like yeah. we say, walk a mile in someone's shoes, and we'll feel different about them, right? Like God knows everything that you've been through today. And so when you uh, had one drink too many, God fully understands every factor that put you in that place. That thought. I would really like to not have to feel any of my realities for another hour. That would be, that feels like that would be good right now. And so can you take that measure of grace and look at yourself like that and say, okay, um, there are painful things in my life. And, and some of the things that are happening to me right now are actually like too much. And I don't know how to deal with them. And so the very first thing I'm going to do is not beat myself up. Yeah. The very first thing I'm going to do is not shame myself for being human. Mm. I'm not going to shame myself or hate myself for having vulnerabilities. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's like, it's like God, God just loves us. I know I keep saying that, but it's just like, he just does. Mm. Like he created you and this whole cosmos and, and this thing so that we could experience life because mm. life is fundamental. Life is good. Mm. Like he gave that to us and mm. said, here, like, enjoy, go, like run wild and free <laughs> and 
practice love because there's nothing better. Yeah. And so when we make mistakes at that, when I make a mistake at that now, I'm going, okay, well, hmm. Did I wake up this morning with the intent to do evil? Did I wake up this morning desiring to like harm others? No, almost every bad thing I do is either like a reaction to pain or fear. And uh, even when I, when I hurt other people, like disobedience, I don't think exists in a vacuum, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything is in reaction to something. And so that, again, that doesn't mean we're off the hook for, for those mm -hmm. things, but that means we're going to start with grace and gentleness and go, okay, Jonathan, you are doing the best you can mm -hmm. in all the, with, in the current circumstances with the tools that you have, I know that you are trying your best. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to treat you like someone who's trying their level best. Mm -hmm. It may not objectively be enough and maybe you are falling short in some ways. And so we're going to be responsible about the realities there. If I did drink too much and then I did something stupid as a result, or I woke up with a hangover or whatever the, the, the scenario is that you're looking at, yeah, be an adult and deal with the consequences, take responsibility, but understand that probably you were doing the best that you could. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to treat yourself like someone who's working really hard to walk in love and grace. And so, like, I, I know that's, like, that's a little bit practical. Mm -hmm. Even more practical than that is me tuning into my body, which sounds really woo-woo if you're not used to that. I mean, that's, <laughs> sometimes that's putting my hand on my heart, taking a deep breath, or three, or ten, and going, okay, how do I feel right now in my body? Do I have tension? Mm -hmm. Am I sick? Uh, is something wrong? Do I have a headache? Is there, is there like, something that I've just been kind of trying to muscle through for days yeah. what's up in my body okay maybe i'll go sit down what's up in my emotional and my mental state are there things that i'm scared of are there things that i'm worked up about are there things that i'm angry about has has an injustice occurred to me or someone that i love mm -hmm. that i've been pissed off for days about but i haven't really taken the time to breathe through and release mm -hmm. okay and my role because of the way my wife said something to me yesterday and i'm still a bit pent up about that. Okay. Well, let me tune into all those things because they're all real and they're all fair. They're all valid. And they're all going to inform what's fair and good and valid for me to do with my time today. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't tune into those things, I'm just going to push myself harder through the machine. Oh, nine o'clock time to go to work. Yeah. Got to go and do all the things. And I'm pushing myself through a system. But if you knew all those things about your child, if you knew your child was carrying all these burdens and was physically in pain and all these different kinds of things that go on in your life, you would tell your child, probably most of us would tell our child, okay, well, you know what? 70% is good enough for you today. Like tap out early, do go take a break, yeah. go for a walk, yeah. hydrate yourself, yeah. do some things that you need to do go play a video game yeah, play everyone video. Do. <laughs> right <laughs> and and if this thing really does need to get done then yeah. then i will come and help you and we'll get it done together in a way sure. that isn't itself toxically traumatizing to you yeah can we extend all those same things to ourselves? that's huge i have a friend who's a, a therapist he's been talking to me a lot about like your inner child and talking to me about how like every time you have this reaction where you're 
you're angry or one of your struggles, like for me, self-doubt has always been a huge struggle. Like whenever you have these things that arise in you, he's like, it's, it's because there's a small version of yourself inside that has learned to react to a certain situation in that way. And so it's important mm-hmm. for you to have grace, like you were just talking about on yourself, but to imagine yourself taking the small version of yourself, like on your knee and reminding him or her who they are. You know, telling them like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be angry, but you know, you, you have to almost parent that child or raise that child in the way that he wasn't raised or speak That's to that it. child in the way that the child wasn't spoken to when he was younger. And it's so hard to do that because to your point, it's much easier to take the feelings and treat them like a beach ball and just like jam it beneath the surface. And I'm just going to yep. move on with my life. But eventually that beach ball pops up somewhere in your mm-hmm. life and you've got to deal with it. And so it's, it's, it's hard to take the time to say, okay, this is that small version of myself again. Let's slow down. Let's ask the questions. Where is this coming from? Why are we reacting this way and kind of process it that way. But I think when you do that, there's huge healing that takes place. Totally. Those are questions that I ask myself. Okay. Jonathan, what do you need today? Yeah. What do you need to do this thing? Okay. Like, and that does it again, like, we have things that need to be done where we're fathers and husbands and we have jobs and all whoever we are, wives, mothers, friends, single people, you know, but it's like, okay, what do I need today? Well, uh, maybe I can start with gentleness and kindness and grace. Maybe that's something I can carry with me throughout the whole day. Mm -hmm. Maybe by doing this every day, I'm actually going to realize that aspects of like the modern Western lifestyle are fundamentally toxic. Maybe the 40 hour work week is actually opposed to human thriving. Maybe there are larger systemic things in our culture that we have taken for granted that we need to start asking questions about. Yes, those are valid. And I understand sometimes this sounds really privileged. You work through it step by step. And I think the thing that's been so mind blowing for me is to encounter Jesus in the midst of this, right? Like you just said, parenting your inner child is really hard. I get to co-parent my inner child Mm. with God. That's right. Who knows? And so I know we're, we're, I think we're out of time here, but one one exercise- That could be a a whole nother episode we could do on this. (laughs) One one exercise that I I would challenge people to try is um, get into a quiet space where you feel safe. Tune into your, just your kind of inner quiet emotional world. And just see if you can picture what you look like as a five-year-old. Picture that child coming and sitting on grown-up use lap, okay? And then ask God, creator, spirit, Jesus, Jesus, what would you have me say to the five-year-old? Yeah. What do do I need to say to five-year-old me that only you know? Yeah. And then say it and see what happens. (laughs) that's huge and you know you talk early on you talked about how you know your you you kind of fell in love with jesus and that kind of led you into this this world of deconstruction and it's funny for me like that kind of experience took place for me in a very evangelical school because i was in seminary and i took a a class called soul care and we did Mm -hmm. a session on inner healing and the whole idea of the class was before you can minister to other people you've got to deal with your crap and you got to you got to minister to yourself, you know? So we took a whole semester and just walked through our life. And we did this at the end of the class at this session of inner healing where the professor gathered around some students and we were like in the middle of the circle with a tell our life story and talk about all the traumatic parts, like everything, just put all that on the table. And then the professor prayed through things with us. I remember there's this one 
thing I was really stuck on that happened to me. I was, I was a kid and he prayed and he said, you know, close your eyes, get into this, this state, forget everything that's around you. Take yourself back to that place. Like I'm bawling, I'm shaking. He goes, now Jesus is there. He's like, what is Jesus doing? And in my mind's eye, like I literally saw the whole event going on around me, but I saw Jesus there and I saw what he was saying, what he was doing. And it just totally changed everything because I'm like the Jesus I met in that space was not the Jesus I had been taught about sometimes even in the four walls of the seminary. Oh, and that was like, it was earth shattering for me. Cause I'm like this, this is the Jesus people need to know. Yes. This is the Jesus who people need to hear about. This is the Jesus that's been with me all along. That's it. That's, that's huge. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. I think every other Jesus Let's just uh, be done with those ones. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but which Jesus do you believe in, right? <laughs> my, my therapist, he prays with me and he says, he signs off, in the name of Jesus of the four gospels. That's right. <laughs> specific. Those, right, exactly. <laughs> That's so good. Hey, Jonathan, we're just about out of time, but this has been um, a lot of fun. And before you go, uh, where can people go online? We'll talk about your podcast, uh, maybe your blog. Where do you want to send people? Sure. Folks can find me at jonathanpuddle.com. That sounds just like it sounds. J Jonathan <laughs> Puddle, P-U-D-D-L-E. Uh, you'll find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my book, You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You. It's set up like a 30-day devotional, but you're going to find it a lot different from any other <laughs> You redeemed devotionals for me. Devotional you've <laughs> ever read. <laughs> when I picked up this book, I'm like, oh, no, not one of those. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> totally different. And uh, yeah, trauma-informed, full of good psychology and hopefully life-giving theology and really easy to read. And it's on yeah. Audible and iTunes and Kindle and everywhere you find books, you'll yeah. find it paperback and so on. And my Excellent. podcast is called The Podcast. <laughs> podcast. And uh, that's, again, anywhere that you find podcasts podcast podcast <laughs> i love it well man thanks so much for taking time uh, this has been a lot of fun and we'll do it again soon my pleasure thank you for awesome the patience paid off now it's go time the worries all around me i'ma give mine born in the queen city got the four nine go to green trip told me where the cosign so people doubted me that's close to me that's their regret when i make it i'ma take it all i do is rest remain grinding self-care that's when i'm at my best a little crazy that's when i'm at a test feeling tuned yeah we riding yeah we rolling all the way to the ocean uh, i thought i told you got the sauce yeah i told you got the sauce remember boy got the sauce yeah 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 we riding yeah we rolling all the way to the ocean uh, i thought i told you got the sauce yeah i told you got the sauce remember boy got the sauce yeah yeah uh, all these people hating that's just motivation Passing through like CDs, they're in rotation. Let me talk my speech like the emancipation. You know we going places where the smiling faces like that we chose. We throwing the bows from the seven to four, cause we all on the road. Know I got my pride, I can't even lie. Ain't no time to settle, feel like Biggie, I was born to die. Yeah, we riding, yeah, we rolling, all the way to the ocean. Uh. I thought I told you got the sauce, yeah. I told you got yeah. the sauce. Remember, boy, got the sauce, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we riding, yeah, we rolling all the way to the ocean. Uh, I thought I told you got the sauce, yeah. I told you yeah. got the sauce. Remember, boy, got the sauce, yeah. Yeah.